Walt Disney. Yes. Beloved, beloved figure of our of our pop culture. That's how they get you. Yada, yada yada. She eventually causes her own husband to be burned to death. And that makes me so happy on cold nights. It especially ended badly for the idiot Peckerwoods. Have a bottle oh, of wow. scotch. Okay, that's twice that he's mentioned redheads. <laughs> it is un-American to get in the way of our freedom to restrict people's freedoms. That was the point. Okay. Title. Yeah. Okay. But, I know plenty about but, these things. But, I love me some Bobby Drake. Yeah, well, yeah, if that's swing, all we've got, then we're darts. being really lazy. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all bone. You can literally poke a hole in it as soon as someone gets pneumonia. Well, I'm yeah, not as old as you. Well, haha, motherfucker, I got a wizard. We are we are recording in person tonight uh, because uh, for the first time this year uh, in Sacramento we suffered a power outage in my neighborhood, uh, and so I'm I'm not uh, well I, I could have uh, stayed home and we could have recorded virtually but this was an excuse to actually be in the same room again, <laughs> uh, so I took advantage of it and that's pretty much what I have going on right now. How about you? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I am a Latin and a drama teacher up here in Northern California. Um, I am trying an experiment. Uh, I last year got the kids cats and uh, the cats kind of regressed in their pottying and decided that any and all floor mats were piss worthy. Ooh. Uh, so now we have no floor mats. I bought a new floor mat. Um, actually, do me a favor. Uh, we're going to do this. This is okay. totally unscripted. Okay. Walk into that room and, okay. s- and take a look at the doormat. Okay. All that right. Is, that is on the floor. Walk. All right. Mm-hmm. And into this room. Yep. Look at the- <laughs> <laughs> So I'm hoping that that actually right. visually fucks with the cats. Yeah, that, that would do it. We'll see what happens. I think so, the yeah. scent will be too overpowering. But it's essentially a, uh, what do you call those? An well, optical it's illusion. an optical illusion yeah. of, of, a, of a black hole, mm-hmm. basically. So yeah. so, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, how they respond to that. You know, interesting, mm-hmm. uh, your adventures in cat ownership uh, mm-hmm. being what they are. Uh, of course, uh, my, my wife and I uh, bought, we, we spent way too much money on a litter robot. Oh yeah, I've heard of those. Now we don't we don't have the problem you're having with like oh it's a floor mat I'm just gonna do my business here. Mm-hmm. We don't have that problem, um, but um, we did have a problem with them favoring one box for for shitting and another mm-hmm. box for peeing, and and now it doesn't sound like that's necessarily such a problem, but the younger of our two. Mm-hmm. Is not great about burying it. Oh, that's a and flex. So, it's not that so, he's lazy. It's they're competing to see whose scent 
wins. Wins. Well, that's what's going on there. Okay. Well, boy, she fucking won. Yeah. Because dear God. So, so the solution, Mm -hmm. uh, in order to make sure that one half of our house is remains livable Mm -hmm. or both halves of our house remain livable, uh, was we got, we got a litter robot, Uh which is great. Sure. Um, except for the fact that the younger of the two cats, uh, wants to sit out in front of it as it is rotating and smack it. (laughs) Um, and, and has on more than one occasion jumped into it Mm. while it is rotating, causing the computer inside it to go error, error, and, and shut down as a safety measure, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, and so now we're trying to figure out how to help her psychologically deal with, um, the terrifying robot that is stealing her poops. <laughs> um, so, so I guess I do have something to share, but I hadn't, you know, thought of it sure. until yeah, you yeah. mentioned your own challenges in feline, uh, ownership. Well, speaking of cat shit. Yes. Uh, when last we spoke. <laughs> There's a transition. <laughs> uh, when last we spoke, we were talking about uh, Harry Bennett having to sign uh, yeah. a, a contract. Yeah, that's like that's like. Well, Tojo was dead by that time, but uh, you know the by forty one. Well, no, but by the end of the war. Sorry, oh, yes, I was yes. thinking. I was thinking of you know Japanese officers, uh, you know, signing the armistice. Right. Right. Like, yeah, we talk about a humiliating moment. So uh, now, like I said before, um, he Ford saw this as a chance to hurt his competitors, and that's I think in many ways that was psychological self-preservation on his part. Okay, and in many ways I think that he actually probably was starting to believe himself. Like he oh, well. thought that he was co-opting the UAW. He told the president of the UAW, "Hey, remember when I signed last year? Bet you that really hurt GM." And they're like. The fuck are you talking about? What do you man? even mean? Well, okay, so here's here's a question though. So the UAW mm-hmm. was was the overarching union representing. It was the largest. Auto, auto yes, workers. Yeah, it was the largest group. Did Ford somehow think that because of the number of Ford employees that were mm-hmm. now members of the union? compared to GM like was Ford a bigger company compared to GM and so they had a bigger unit no I don't think so at that point because again they'd all gone through the depression a lot of layoffs and okay. things like that so, so like I'm, I'm trying to figure out how the logic worked in his head like clearly yeah. like you say there's there's an element of, of psychological self-preservation yeah it, it also reminds me very much of any time the prior president had mm-hmm. to backpedal on anything. Right. It was always, you know, look look how it got one over on somebody by, you know, uh, dropping the rope in the tug of war. Right. Or, you know, whatever. Ha <laughs> look, like, they oh, fell. Look, they so, fell. Like, right. uh, did they, though? Right. You know, and and so, so the psychological preservation is real, but, mm-hmm. like, he wasn't stupid by any stretch of the imagination. And no. so I have to wonder... Mm-hmm. Where where was his calculus in that? Like not just hurting GM, but mm-hmm. also like like obviously okay. Well, I'm still the owner of the company, and so mm-hmm. I'm I'm still the benefactor of all right. of all of the workers. So him somehow thinking that he's still, as he said last episode, he's still the daddy. Right. 
like, okay, one I of my can, favorite I can understand that. One of my favorite quotes uh, about it, it came from the TV series Rome. It's uh, oh, so we're not retreating; we're just attacking in reverse. <laughs> yes, there's there's yes. a layer to that. There is now. Also, remember he has. <laughs> I'm going to use a car metaphor here. He has a couple different gears. Okay. Right? Yeah. Reverse ain't one of them. No. But second gear is co-opt. Okay. And he, I think there is some layer of, again, he thought he was co-opting them. Uh, and remember the pacifists in World War One, like I mentioned yeah. last time, yeah, yeah. he co-opted them. Now, now speaking of World War One, Ford also had a history of anti-Semitism. And in 1915... He said that the war was a German-Jewish banker's conspiracy and that they'd instigated the war to make profits. He kept that same energy all the way through World War II. Okay, wait. Okay. <laughs> okay, hold on. Sure. Like, like, okay, we can, we, we can go back and, and look at, you know, the, the bullshit that is the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Oh, we're and, going and to. The, I know, I yes. know we are. But I want to know how it is that an otherwise intelligent individual... Intelligent does not mean that you I, know your history. I, okay, granted. Okay, but how 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 exactly do you get to the point where it sounds logical mm -hmm. that this this secretive cabal mm -hmm. is going to start a war mm -hmm. for for profit? Mm -hmm. When you yourself mm -hmm. are co-opting the pacifists because war is bad for business. Because he said that war was good for business in the short term. Munitions manufacturers okay, absolutely okay. make money. And if you're in it for the short term, not for overall productivity of the world, which is what he's in it for. Yeah, okay. See, it's kind of like people who have this racial hierarchy. They always happen to be a part of the group that's either second to the top or the top. Okay. You know, it's that same yeah. kind of thing. So. Yeah. I'm in this for the purity of production. Now, the Jewish bankers from Germany, they clearly want to they, make they, money off of munitions. They, they have a, it's a cash grab. Mentality. And he's seeing plenty of American manufacturers switch over to munitions and making lots of money. So he sees the problem. He just learns the wrong lesson about it. Okay. He Fair. also grew up at a time where KKK membership was peaking. This is true. And he was an adult the second time that it peaked. Yes. <laughs> uh, and he grew up uh, as Jewish immigrants were coming to America in very large numbers. Uh, okay. And he was getting his company really moving right as the 1924 Immigration Acts started limiting specifically which immigrants were coming into the country and how many and in what numbers. Right. Right. Ford also had a long history of being stick and carrot, right? Uh, especially with black workers. Uh, he was an early adopter of hiring black workers. Half of the black auto workers in the Detroit area prior to unionization were Ford employees. Oh, wow. That made up about 11% of the Ford workforce. So okay, half of the black auto workers yeah. in the area made up 11%. So if okay. he'd hired all of them, that would have been a fifth of his workers. Wow. Now, most right. of them were in the janitorial jobs, the dirtiest jobs, the most dangerous yeah. jobs. Uh, but he did hire specifically black workers for skilled workers. Um, he even had a division headed by Don Marshall and Willis Ward, who was a University of Michigan athlete 
who had a lot of influence in an area called Paradise Valley where many black auto workers lived in Detroit. Okay. So he was seeking them out. And he also set up direct links with black churches. Lots of money with lots of strings attached. Here's the money. So long as your church is not used to unionize, you'll get new pews. So long as your church isn't used to unionize, I will hire your parishioners for $5 a day, which is the same wage that he gave to, you know, white workers in the 1910s. Okay. And if the minister refused, guess where his congregation might go? Because you got to eat. Okay. Manna from heaven, right? All right. Yeah. Now, when A. Philip Randolph, famous black labor leader, uh, came and talked at a Detroit church in 1938, many, many of its members had their jobs threatened by Ford and some were actually fired. Ford also took over Inkster, which is an area where 500 black workers and their families lived, uh, which was near the Rouge River complex. He made over the whole town. Okay. Okay. uh, Updated it. And then he charged them all but 12 cents of their hourly wages to pay back his good charity. Speaking of I'm daddy. He turned it into a company town. Yes. 12 and left them 12 cents an hour. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Now this is uh, 20. What? This was thirties. Thirties. This was the thirties. Wow. Yeah. He also, uh, (laughs) he also parlayed this into political influence. One out of every black, uh, one out of every eight black votes in Detroit city were controlled by Ford's Republican cronies. He then turns Democrat after 1918. Uh, yeah, well. Right. Okay. Wilson. Yeah. Wilson, yeah. Um, now, this pressure obviously depresses the number of black union members, right? Yeah. Keeps but, it artificially low. Exactly. But yeah. back to the anti-Semitism. Um, in 1919, a friend of Ford's noted in his own diary that Ford said, quote, the Jews caused the war. The Jews caused the outbreak of thieving and robbery all over the country. The Jews caused the inefficiency of the Navy. You can imagine his thoughts on FDR. Okay, wait. Yeah? When when was this quote? That was in 1919. Okay, so this is this is after... This is, this is the when the war is over. War yeah. is over. Yeah. Okay, so, so the Jews... Right. I, the single yeah, monolithic the group. Single, single monolithic right. group. Right, um, uh, which is just ridiculous, yeah, on its own. But yeah. but so they're responsible for the war. Yes, they're responsible for thieving rob- and robbery. Thieving and robbery. So the war is a thing you can point to. Yeah, thieving and robbery. We are getting more abstract. Okay, but then my like, favorite, they caused the inefficiency, inefficiency of the navy. Of the navy. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still stuck on the thieving and robbery. Mm-hmm. Like. How exactly do they do that? Do they ship it from someplace else? Like, no, it's like, Lee Iacocca they... that said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Does it spoil? Like, you know, but but that's that's it's still the same fundamental question. Like, it is. You're talking, yeah. you're talking about what is is there is there some specific symptom of banditry in the hills outside Dearborn, <laughs> like, you know, the, right. the, 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 you know, level two D and D adventure. You got to go deal with the bandits. Right. Like what, what are you even fucking on about? Like, well, this is the problem with know, being really wealthy. Nobody asks you the important questions. Nobody like, says what the what? fuck? Right. Nobody you says know. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. that, you yeah. know? And, and then, and then, and, and yes, and now I'm emotionally prepared to go on to, and he caused the inefficiency of the Navy. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, look, Buckminster, um, this is World War One, Right. The United States Navy was growing. But, well, you remember but Teddy we Roosevelt had actually updated oh, the Navy. Oh, the Great White right. Fleet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it was a huge big deal. Yep. But we were still... We still didn't have a standing we still, army. We were still number two or number three. Oh, easily, yeah. Easily, maybe number five worldwide in terms of in terms of our fleets. Yes. And you know we were at that point mm-hmm. already having to use that fleet to defend you know far flung holdings right on on two sides of the planet. Yes. You know Puerto Rico and Hawaii. Yeah, and the Philippines. And and the Philippines. Yep. Um, and so like inefficiency, how, how exactly and why? Well, I think he could absolutely tie it back to banker interests in exporting and, and getting colonies and extracting wealth. I I think it's, it's, it's always easy for anti-Semitic conspiracy theorists to find a link to their anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's because it is, it, it. All you, you you shoot the arrow and then you draw the target and then, around. Yeah, it. and then you figure out. Yeah. So now in 1918, we go back a year. I just wanted to give you a feel for yeah. the shit that he says. How how bad shit this guy is about this. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of Guam. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guam. Yeah. Um, in 1918, he purchased the Dearborn Independent. This is a newspaper. Oh, this never goes well. Oh, now, well, you mean Jeff Bezos owning the uh, Washington newspaper is no, is, no, no, I'm, no, I'm not certainly yeah. not talking about that. No. Now, while making no. millions, while Ford's workers ate squirrels in the park that they caught, I know this for a fact because my great grandmother on my mother's side was reportedly a crack shot at squirrel hunting. Yeah. Um, he at some point misread the protocols of Zion, uh, the protocols of the elders of Zion, as being true, and he believed them. Yes. Now, what are the protocols of the elders of Zion? You might ask. Well, I'll tell you. They are a made-up text, first published in Russia in 1903. However, okay, wait, back yeah. up. Oh, back sure. Up. Hold on. Sure. They're that new. Yeah. 1903. Yes. They're drawing on some other bullshit, but yes. Okay, okay, because, okay, blood libel is what I'm thinking of, and that goes yeah, back that to goes the quite Middle Ages. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Now, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, uh, which, if you read them, it it what they are is they're allegedly the minutes of a meeting. Right. And nobody takes minutes of a meeting this way. You know, we, okay. we met at 8.03, we read the minutes from the last meeting, yeah. Uh, passed unanimously. Yeah. Item number one. They were entered into the record. Right. Item yeah. number one, how are we going to eat Christian babies? <laughs> Item number two, how are we going to steal all the money from the banks? Yeah. Item, Item number, number three, three. Like, just fucking, re- like, like again, really bad writing. Yeah. Okay. Now, this was a conglomeration of several anti-Semitic texts from previous times. Okay. Um, one of the most important ones was a parody of of Jewish idealism that was used to denigrate a Russian Zionist Congress that had met in September of 1902. And now we see why it's 1903. Okay. This parody was then cleaned up by bad actors who wanted to shift from an internal 
anti-Semitic joke to make it seem real and serious. So okay. take a real. You remember that skit about Ronald Reagan on SNL, Which where one? he's just a doddering old fool, and then as soon as the press leaves the room, he's like, "All right, back to it. We're going to do this, this, and this." Oh right, yeah, yeah. Right yeah. now, imagine somebody writing a history in scare quotes book mm-hmm. that actually did that, that listed that as as okay. the reality. Oh, wow. So you're taking a skit, uh, although the SNL skit was well-written, um, but you're taking a skit, a parody, and then you're actually inserting like real facts into it to make it seem conspiratorial. Thus, the initial publisher, a man named Pavel Khrushchevan, was able to falsify and forge a joke into a real hoax that aimed focused anti-Semitism for generations to come. Yeah. Khrushchevin was a black hundredist. These are reactionaries, ultra-nationalist Russian monarchist loyals, uh, monarchist loyalists to the Romanovs. He had published several newspapers, mostly anti-Semitic. Uh, the Bessarabian uh, was specific. That's one of them. Was specifically aimed at drumming up support for anti-Semitism in 1897. Okay. All of this was aimed at starting a pogrom, which ended up being the. Uh, how do I say that? Kishinev pogrom in the capital of the Bessarabia Oblast turned government. Okay. Modern day Moldova. Okay. 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 This pogrom led to the deaths of 49 Jews, 92 were gravely injured, and countless women were raped and damaged to over 1,500 homes. The pogrom activated Jews in the U.S. to sign financial help to those who were afflicted and to help them to emigrate. Okay. I had brought this up when I did the soap episodes with our guest, Amanda Lanham. Okay. I brought it up from the American side. I had not done the research to this aspect, but there was a large community in, I want to say, Queens or Yonkers that was mobilizing to help Jews emigrate to America. Okay. In, again, the late 1800s. Yeah. So you're seeing the pull factor and the push factor, right? Um. The pogrom focused the world's attention on the problem that Jews specifically faced in Russia. But the protocols were way too attractive as a narrative for some to just disregard as the bullshit that it was. And I want to make this absolutely clear. The Protocols of the Elders of Zion was a work of fiction that started in Russia, a deeply pogrom-laden or laden country, which was plagiarized from earlier anti-Semitic sources. It was a fraud and an attempt to show proof that there was a worldwide Jewish conspiracy to try to take over the world. And the worst part was that even this was a misreading of a political satire that was actually designed to roast Napoleon III, which that itself was a plagiarized attempt from an earlier work. I fell down a rabbit hole. Holy shit. Okay, yeah. Now, Henry Ford could not have not read this. Now, that said, I've also not seen any direct evidence that he did. However, the Dearborn Independent started running a feature on May 22nd, 1920, that was called, quote, The International Jew, the World's Foremost Problem. This feature ran for, I want to say, 91 straight weeks. It started on page one, top of the fold. Yeah. Um, and it began with... How do you rant about... Like, you've yeah. heard me rant. Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. who listens to this has heard me rant. Yeah, we're about I, to. I don't understand 
fuck you. I don't <laughs> understand how you can maintain mm-hmm. that energy mm-hmm. for that long. For 91 weeks? 91, like... This is what I mean. He had to have read the uh, protocols because this is like just taking it whole cloth. My God. All right. It started with, quote, There is apparently in the world today a central financial force which is playing a vast and closely organized game with the world for its table and universal control for its stakes. Oh, I know this one. Yeah. Late stage capitalism. Nope. Jews. Of course. Yeah. It also quoted the New International Encyclopedia as a drop quote even before the feature started. Uh, It ran for 91 straight weeks, like I said. Uh, These were weekly issues. Uh, The paper had a reach of 500,000 copies, uh, peaking at about 900,000, largely due to the subscription campaigns that he forced on car dealers. Okay, wait. You want to deal my? Uh, my you want to deal my my cars? Have these papers in your waiting room. Wow. You want to sell the Model T? A new copy of this, you know, the latest issue has to be in the Model T when you sell it. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so yeah. did did he did he have some level of pecuniary? Like motive for this, or was this just him being a, a batshit crazy zealot who who felt that he needed to get you remember scare quotes the truth? Out so there? so a couple of things. I think that his anti semitism ran far and deep long before his efforts to make peace for the sake of business. But I also think that it was heavily reinforced by the fact that he failed to make peace and he was mocked when he came to Europe to try to make peace. And he set that on the bankers and, of course, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So, okay. Psychological so self-preservation. Psychological self-preservation. So what we're, what we're saying But also, here, he the racism was 100% baked It was, baked was 100% in. already there. Oh, yeah. So, so what we're saying here is we yeah. have yet another psychological parallel to... Yes. Trump like he'll come up later yeah well I'm sure he will <laughs> but 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 yes you know yes. like th- this is this is the same fucking pathology it is it like absolutely 110 percent the yep. same okay yeah now keep in mind the idea wasn't that Judaism was a problem ideologically it was the Jew as a biological race that was the problem that's not a thing one right that's not a thing and let's add phrenology and and and, and eugenics into it other bullshit <clears throat> pseudosciences they they had a social type that made them mentally and ethically defective according and to the, phrenology and the other right of course sciences of the day the people who set themselves up at the top of the Pyramid. Well, yeah, because obviously yeah. the the you know white European uh, phenotype is clearly the the most the advanced ideal. the right. the ideal. You it's know, funny because it's the most mutated. Yeah, like I, I like, guess if if you're going from the perspective of the more mutations from the base, the closer to perfect you get, which is just in which itself is, which weird. Is, which is because deeply fucking wrong. Right, that's not what yeah. any of evolution means. Number one, but I mean, you know, the, the idea that the European 
uh, phenotype is mm-hmm. the superior. Northern model. European. Northern European. Keep in mind. Very bad. Well, because the Northern European is the, it scare quotes, purer European phenotype, whereas the Southern oh, European we're gonna one get to is, that. The one, is the one that has more. This is you know, why you need eugenics, because mis- they keep. Yeah, with, they keep passing. With, you know, Berbers and, and you know. We're going to get type, to that. I'm sure. Yeah. But but this is the same reason that Europe gets to be its own continent. Right. When it's, really logically it's an isthmus sticking off of, of Asia. Asia. Yes. Like. Yeah. Maybe the whole continent idea is a problem. Maybe. You like. Because that leads uh, you know. to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to say, though, that. Uh, and this is going to be a really weird recognize it is a 100% backhanded compliment, not even okay. a compliment. But the one group of people that is least adapted to being in most of the world has made it so that they are the safest going anywhere in the world. Well, yeah. Through the structures that they've set up. It's a really weird... It's a, it's bizarre kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and, okay, and now yeah. I know what, what book I'm going to recommend at the end of the oh, episode. Cool. But anyway, carry on. So uh, he publishes the protocols in the Dearborn Independent and yeah. calls it a factual piece. Yeah. Now, this is separate, but sometimes the same, as the other column that he ghost wrote about the Jews. Now, to be sure, that column wasn't nearly as blatant and vibrantly anti-Semitic either. The anti-Semitic stuff was saved for page one, and it rarely had an actual byline. You want to know what the paper's motto was? Oh, no. The Chronicler of the Neglected Truth. What? Okay. Why? Don't, don't you hate when it rhymes that much? Why? Why? Yeah. Why can't anybody, <laughs> anybody, anywhere in any conspiracy theory outfit, like anywhere in the last century and a half, mm-hmm. come up with anything original? Don't need to. But, but, but. Why, why did Shaq never shoot three pointers? <sighs> never right. needed to. Okay, but. I mean, you get what I'm saying. I, I totally like, get what you're saying. Come on. <laughs> like, I, so I mean, there's the we, curse we, we, of the historian is to see how in unartful most conspiracies that worked were, yeah. how they fell over backward despite themselves into um, success, mm-hmm. and how all the conspiracies that people think are artful are dumber than fuck. Well, one. Yeah. One, and like over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm. over, like forever. The moment you involve more than two people in any plot, yeah, you have just made it infinitely less likely for it to actually go over. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and 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 just think about any time you've tried to do a group project, yeah, or you've worked on any kind of anything in a corporate environment mm-hmm. with a bunch of other people. Like, how often? Does that stuff go off without a hitch? I'm, I'm going to use but, American assassinations of presidents. Okay. John Wilkes Booth was the only successful member of that group. Yeah. There were five of them. He's the only one who He's succeeded. He's the only one who pulled it off. Um, Charles Gateau acted alone. Mm-hmm. It worked. Yep. Uh, in fact, you could actually say the reason it worked was because there was a conspiracy to keep the president alive by all the doctors, <laughs> and they fucked it up. And they, yeah. Uh, because they didn't wash their hands. Um <laughs> Uh, Leon Schultz. Yeah. Also uh, acted alone. Yeah. Right? Sirhan um, Sirhan. Yep. Sirhan Sirhan. He acted alone. Um, uh, who's the guy? He, John he Wilkes said, Booth. 
uh, no, we talked about him. He was part of the conspiracy. Oh, okay. Um, the the guy who said you miss 100 percent of the shots that you don't take. Um, Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald. So, or nice. maybe that was Michael Jordan. Yeah. Or Wayne okay. Gretzky. Okay. But anyway, yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. Yeah. It worked. Um, and feel free to add us. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, uh, those things worked. Yeah. You know, now grant you, history is also riddled with people who failed at single gunmanship. Uh, the guy who tried to kill Andrew Jackson, the guns yeah. got scared. Um, the bullets <laughs> the, were like, guy, no, no, no. The, the I, guy, my cousins are already in there. <laughs> I ain't going. I ain't going. That's the place uh, where bullets go to die. Yeah, the guy, the guy <laughs> who, the guy who tried to kill Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, and was thwarted by his thirty-page speech right. folded four times in his pocket. <laughs> uh, uh, um, what am I? John Hinckley. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, the, the, so history is also riddled with failures. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen yet a conspiracy that carried out all of its ends. Again, Lincoln was one of five people supposed to be assassinated. Oh, yeah. Well, night. it was supposed to be the entire government. Yeah. It was, it was the entire executive branch. The right. cabinet was supposed to be hollowed out. Yes. Um, and they got really close. I want to say, was it Seward? It was Seward. Yeah. Because his got... son, I think, might have died from the wounds. Yeah. Yeah, his his yeah, and it was it was awful. Yes, and it was horrific. Yes, because uh, it involved a Bowie knife, if I'm remembering right. Um, yeah, it was it was certainly a slashing. I don't remember. Yeah, was, yeah. yeah, but so anyway. So yeah, yeah, but like the very idea mm-hmm. that you you have to go into a conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. like if you're going to believe in a conspiracy theory, you have to go into it denying. Any level of your own lived experience dealing, dealing <laughs> you really with do. groups of other people. Yeah. There there has to be a level of willful disbelief. Yes, there does. In order to buy into Shit. any conspiracy. Even theory. if you both work the night shift at Togo's <laughs> and one of you is up front and one of you is in the back, you're still gonna oh. fuck things up for each other. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. I mean, especially there. So, like, you know. Togo's. Oh my so, god. Ford I love that example too. <laughs> Ford specifically thought that Jews were inefficient and therefore they were wrecking capitalism in their ability to excel at it. Which mental gymnastics much. Oh, okay. Wait, yep. They were We're not gonna get far if you have to no, parse I, out I, every I, sentence I, no, of I, his I, dumb I, shit. I, I understand. But, but go ahead. But they were inefficient. Yes. But they were fucking up capitalism because, because of they their were selling skill at it. Yes. But they were inefficient. Yes. Like, were they inefficient because they were parasites pulling off of the system? I like, think is that there's something theory? to do with that. And also okay. just through the sheer force of momentum of, of their money. You know, that kind of shit. What is it? Okay, whatever. Yeah. Fuck that. All right, carry on. It, now, this is... A, I'll, 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 I'll try to hold my yeah. what the fuck's in yeah. for a little while. So, it's a pretty common both sides of the street argument, oh, yeah, quite well, honestly. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the, they are um, inferior to us, and yet they and are... Yeah, terrifying. Exactly. Yeah. Am, am I am I a, a pathetic, frail snowflake, or am I a terrifying communist insurgent? Like, right. Like, figure it the fuck yeah. out. Like, Both. Like, pick one. Whenever I need you to be. Yeah. He also stated, quote, The Jew is a race that has no civilization to point to, no aspiring religion, no great achievements in any realm. End quote. Yeah, I know. Okay, well, carry on. So, because I think the aspiring I'm, I'm religion part in, I'm, I'm is, yeah, so much what the fuckery is is such an Episcopalian thing to say, because the aspiring part is Jesus came and we got to get up to being like him. 
The Jews haven't had their Messiah come yet. Therefore, it's it's again. I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot an arrow and then yeah, I'll paint the target yeah. around it. The, it the little, obviously speaking, begs the question. Speaking speaking as a Catholic, yes, the level of utter ignorance mm-hmm. of Judaism, yes, that's involved in saying that, yes, is gobsmacking. Yes. I really wish we had Tessa on this show. I so, so wish she were here. Yeah. Yes. But there's oh, more. my God. Quote, there's no other racial or national type which puts for this kind of person. It is not merely that there are fake Jews or that there are a few Jews among international finance, financial controllers. It is that these world controllers are exclusively Jews. End quote. Now, I want to remind you, Ford was really good at making machines. He is not an historian. <sighs> okay. The collection of articles, essays, columns, etc. were collected into four volumes and then published as books. And those were then translated into 12 different languages. So it wasn't enough just to put out 500,000 copies of this shit. Then it's like, you know what I really want to do? I want to make an omnibus. I want a four-volume omnibus. In 1922, it got translated into German, where it became a quick hit, and yet it was never copyrighted because then you could spread it farther and wider. Oh, God. And so they sold over 200,000 copies. And (sighs) when he was called out for his anti-Semitism in a telegram, Ford's paper told the author of the the telegram, quote, your rhetoric is that of a Bolshevik orator. So if you're playing bingo, there you go. Okay. Yeah. So, wait. Sure. Okay. Now, I mean, obviously, this is just classic both sidesism, but... But you're telling, but but I, I feel like this one needs to be pulled sure. apart. Pull it to, apart to, sh- to show just how ridiculous, how yeah, lunatic it is. Sure. So you're saying the intensely capitalist, yes, international banking system, right? Which, by your claim, Jews are so good at, right? Um, that 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 capitalist system is dominated by Jews. Yes. But if you support Mm -hmm. those intensely capitalist, really good at capitalism, bank owning Jews. Yeah. Then you are a Bolshevik, Mm -hmm. which literally means you are a revolutionary dedicated to the elimination of private property Mm -hmm. and the collectivization of Mm -hmm. literal like finance, like everything. Now the thing is, what religion did most people think Bolsheviks, a large portion Atheist? of communists, were? No. Most people cited them as being Jews. Now, they might be atheistic Jews, but they're Jews. Well, okay. A certain percentage of them probably were attracted to Bolshevism because mm-hmm. the czar was busy trying to fucking kill them off. Also, Marxism depends on a heavily urbanized population, and you uh, tend yeah. to see Jews okay. more in an urban setting. This is a good point. Because yes. they're not allowed to own land in most places in Europe. Mm, yeah. So like since forever. Right. Yeah. So this idea of of Bolshevism being tied to Judaism 
Yeah. Or or not tied to Judaism. I'm gonna I'm gonna use a different term. Tied to Jewry. Yes. Um you absolutely ethnic, like, ethnic yes. Jewry. Yes, which is, again there's so many problems. Like with that. so much yeah. So in nineteen twenty four, Ford accused Aaron Shapiro, who is an attorney, of exploiting farmer co ops. This led to Shapiro I'm sorry, not Shapiro, Sapiro. This led to Sapiro suing my autocorrect. Yeah, okay. Uh, sued Ford for libel uh, because he accused him in his paper, which eventually led to a trial in 1927. And at that point, Ford closed down the Independent. <laughs> he settled uh-huh. out of court, yep. but only after negotiating with a U.S. representative, House of Reps, um, who and the president of the American Jewish Committee. Oh, wow. He apologized formally and made a cash settlement. Um, and I would have loved to have heard his take on that. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember reading the the apology. It's such a non-apology. I, oh, I didn't yeah, well, of course. Yeah. yeah no. And it didn't stop with publishing a newspaper, by the way, as well as several volumes based on it. Ford's money organized a network of spies to keep an eye on Jewish leaders in the communities. This information gleaned that he gleaned came back to Ford um, and came back to his editors of the Independent. So he so paid spies, he was doxing people. Yeah, kinda. Jesus. Me. Well, back then, though, anytime you interview someone, you would give their whole fucking address. Well, yeah, so. this is true. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, in Germany, there was a maladjusted, ne'er do well, struggling artist, veteran named Adolf Hitler, who had become the chairman of the struggling Nazi Party in 1921. He had a penchant for riling up crowds, specifically by using the stabbed-in-the-back rhetoric that would enable him to make a sense of Germany losing the last war despite having invaded another country. He read The International Jew in 1922, and it helped him to crystallize his conspiratorial anti-Semitism. Ford becomes Adolf Hitler's icon of anti-Semitism, and when Ford was making motions about running for president in 1923, Adolf Hitler told the Chicago Tribune in an interview, quote, I wish that I could send some of my shock troops to Chicago and other big American cities to help. This is why it's important to denounce shitty people when they say that they're for you. Now, this love of Ford is very important to note because in November of 1923, this strangely charismatic, deeply flawed man who thought that he had a special destiny and had daddy issues continued his win streak by initiating a failed coup. 2,000 newly minted Nazis marched on uh, Feldhernhall. Feldhernhall. Okay. Uh, A monument that honored the Bavarian army's strong traditions. Yes. They had the support of many police. Huh, funny. (laughs) Even though plenty of others did their actual fucking jobs. Uh, (laughs) After the failed takeover of the German government, uh, it it landed Hitler in Landsberg prison after they platformed him over a 24-day trial for a five-year sentence, uh, of which he only served nine months, only 264 days. And this prison sentence was, in and of itself, pretty light. He was excluded from forced labor, and he had a pretty reasonable accommodation. Part of this is my wishing that they'd done more to him, but honestly, I also have trouble with the carceral straight as it is. Yeah. But still, uh, there it's called Festungschaft. Um, it's, it's fortress confinement. Mm-hmm. Um, allowed visitors. 
So think of like house arrest combined with protective custody, like what we saw Frank having in Godfather Part Two. Yeah. Now, interestingly, the guy that was in the cell before Hitler was evict- uh, had gotten evicted in order to make room for Hitler. This guy's name was Anton Graf von Arco auf Valley. Wow. Fucking Bavarian Germans yeah, yeah, and their so, names. Yeah. I swear to uh-huh. God. Yep. Anton, we're just going to go to Arco Valley, uh, was born in Sankt Martin im Inkris, which is only relevant because of its goddamn name being almost as ridiculous as his was. Um, <laughs> his, <laughs> God, I fucking hate these places. Um, I, I, you know what? Shout out, though, to our Bavarian listeners. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm sure they're wonderful places. I would love to come By and all stay accounts, with you. Bavaria is a it's, lovely part of the yes, world. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Um, if anybody in Austria wants to let me stay on their couch and fucking, I am happy to make the trip. I would love to come fucking. Um, so, <sighs> his father, this is uh, Arco Valley's father, was a landed businessman, and his mother was from a prominent, wealthy uh, uh, Austrian Jewish banking family Uh, okay he had a goddamned ancestral home and a noble title until germany became a republic okay so see if any of this sounds familiar at all anton fuck his name um (laughs) served as a part of the royal bavarian infantry lifeguards regiment think bodyguard for royalty yeah 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 when he came back from the from the front after the war he was angry and disillusioned and he became a German nationalist. And he was Austrian by birth, but he adopted Germany as his home and enrolled in Munich University. He came from a rich and aristocratic family, was a monarchist, and an anti-Semite. He felt that he was somehow stained by his mother's blood. Huh. Anyway. That's kind of like that thing where (laughs) it could have been Harry and it could have been Neville. Right? Like... Right? Like, what the fucking fuck? Like, only, only um, Adolf's background was not as it was not, aristocratic exactly, or nearly, exactly. as, nearly as hoity-toity. Right. But, so, but, but, but again, but the rest of that Harry was pretty, rich as fuck. Yeah. Neville, not so much. Yeah. So. Okay. Anyway, Anton, fuck his name. Uh, he fixated. <laughs> he fixated on a Jewish socialist named Kurt Eisner. Now, Kurt Eisner was a political revolutionary in Germany and a journalist and a theater critic. Uh, He helped to organize the socialist revolution that overthrew the monarchy in Bavaria in 1918, making him kind of the standard bearer for that revolution, Kurt Eisner. Okay. So fuck his name clearly had a problem with this, and Eisner became the prime minister of the people's state of Bavaria, which only lasted from 1918 to 1919. Oh, because the the all of the Republican efforts, all of the Democratic governments early on, yeah. in in the wake of the initial revolution, were ephemeral. Yeah, in the extreme. Quote, and this is something that uh, fuck his name said. Eisner is a Bolshevist, a Jew. He isn't German. He doesn't feel German. He subverts all patriotic thoughts and feelings. He is a traitor to this land. Wow. Now, to prove himself worthy of the fucking Thule Society, since they rejected him based on his matrilineal Jewish descent, right? and because he was a monarchist, an ultra-nationalist, and an all-around piss baby with way too big a name who cosplayed as a German, 
He, Anton, fuck his name, shot Eisner in the back and murdered him in February of 1919. Now, the sad irony here was that Eisner was actually on his way to resign from the government. He was literally walking to their version of a parliament to resign from the government because of all the problems in the government. You are fucking kidding me. No. And so had he gone left instead of right down a street or something, maybe Anton von Fuck's name wouldn't have, have killed him. But yeah. instead he did. Um, now, after Eisner's death, a free trade union association commissioned a monument to the revolution where his remains were interred. Okay. Of course, now June of 1933, the Nazis demolished it. Okay. That's on brand. Right. This murder, of course, was very popular with the shittiest types of Bavarians, which led to a big spate of fighting between communists and anarchists and rightists in Munich, brutalizing politics all the more. This led to the death of Prince Gustav of Thurn and Taxis, whose name I only include because Jesus goddamn Christ with these fucking names, um, but also... <laughs> Prince Gustav of Too Fucking Much was a member of the Thule Society. So I'm not particularly bummed out by his death. Well, no. Anton Fuck his name was an inspiration for both Goebbels, who was in Munich at the time and saw the potential in such a path, and Hitler, who later said, quote, Eisner's death only hastened developments and led finally to the Soviet dictatorship, or to put it more correctly, to a passing rule of Jews as had been the original aim of the instigators of the whole revolution. See, even assassinated, they have plans. What? what? I know. It's it's, I it's know. the both sides. They're it, they're yeah. it, It's it's the same. They're There's... they're weak and like subhuman and all this, but they're also terrifying and right. like it's it it is <sighs> maddening. Now, yeah. Anton Fuck, his name, was tried in 1920 mm -hmm. and sentenced to death. That then got reduced to a five-year sentence for killing the official head of a government. Because why not? Yeah, well... You know, let's say that you want to orchestrate, <clears throat> I don't know, the kidnapping of a governor. Yeah. Uh, nope. No, no you know, nothing. Let's whatever. say that you, you cross state lines and, and kill people. Yeah. Well. Um, let's say that you slap a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> We'll, well see which know. one gets gets yeah. more punishment. Yeah. So uh, it might have had something to do with the fact that the goddamn state prosecutor said about Anton von Fuck his name, quote, if the whole German youth were imbued with the su such a glowing enthusiasm, we could face the future with confidence. If the state so, prosecutor is saying that about the guy he's prosecuting. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. What we're, what we're mm -hmm. looking at here, I think to contextualize and come up with a hot take. Mm. There was, we, we're looking at a society, if we're looking at, you know, Weimar Germany, mm -hmm. um, it was a society that had only very recently left essentially feudalism, mm -hmm. mon monarchism behind. And anytime that happens, mm -hmm. like we talked about in the last episode, yep. you have those people who were heavily invested in the prior system, absolutely, who are still going to claw and and fight, yes, uh, and who are going to lament that system because it was mm -hmm. their ox getting gored. And then you're going to have all the people who were 
downtrodden and oppressed by that system. Right. Who are going to want to say, fuck it, burn it all to the ground. And so... And that aggrievement is very easily co-opted if you can give them anything. Yes, if you can give them any anybody to point it at. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're savvy enough or lucky enough, yes, or both... Yeah. Um, to to figure out how to appeal to both of those groups at the same time, mm-hmm. then you know you're going to wind up you you can be a pedagogue at both ends. Oh, absolutely. You know. Now, interestingly, Anton von Fucke's name did yeah. not go far enough for the Nazis because at the end of the day, he was more of a federalist. Okay. They kept him in protective custody until he promised not to kill Hitler. Really? Yeah. And just because I want to keep the thread going, in 1934, he married his cousin. And don't worry, it was just like FDR and Eleanor, right? So many, many leagues away. Yeah. Maria Gabrielle Grafen von Arco Zinnenberg, the daughter of Count Joseph von und du Zarco Zinnenberg, who yeah. himself was the great grandson of Maria Leopoldine of Austria Este and Princess Wilhelmine von Ausberg. Okay. So big, poncy, posh marriage. Yes. Upper class. Now, family. not everybody in his family married shitty people with long names. His older brother actually married into the family of Raoul Wallenberg, who was an amazing guy. He was a, yeah. a criminal and an anti-Nazi in Sweden. Oh, wow. And he okay. was really cool. He like he ripped people off and uh-huh. used that money to like fake passports oh, wow. for Jews trying to escape. Nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. But I digress. But yeah. Hitler, <laughs> remember Hitler? There's a yeah, song about Hitler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, while he was in prison for treason, yeah. he was ghostwriting Mein Kampf with Rudolf Hess, who got to visit all the time. <sighs> now, I had it in my brain when I was a kid that Hess is on one side of bars and Hitler's on the other. No, it's, it's a room bigger than this with nice tables and wood and couches and shit. Hitler loved the cut of Ford's anti-Semitic jib, and he saw Ford as one of the very few who really, truly got it. Quote, I shall do my best to put his theories into practice in Germany. End quote. Well, of course he thinks he's one of the ones who gets it, because he's the one who gave Hitler the blueprint for, mm-hmm. for putting his own nebulous, inchoate hatred into a a solidified form as you said it crystallized his own yes. his own thinking and again he was anti-semitic before, yeah, before you know that, before he read that but it definitely reinforced like you it said was, to it the, was the catalyst yeah to the point where he kept a portrait of ford in his office while he was ruling germany in fact ford was the only american who was actually named in mein kampf and he stated quote it is Jews who govern the stock exchanges force the stock exchange forces of the American Union, and he means the United States. Okay. Every year makes them more and more uh, the controlling masters of the producers in a nation of one hundred and twelve million, uh, one hundred and twenty millions. And then he goes on quote one great man Ford to their exasperation still holds out independently. There is. There, there's so much fallacy uh-huh. involved in that. Mm-hmm. So, okay, if if there there are these Jewish people mm-hmm. who are the controllers of the stock market, right, right, 
if Jews as a group right. are the ones in control of the stock market, explain to me why none of the country clubs mm-hmm. in New York, uh, Michigan, mm-hmm. Illinois, Florida, why is it none of those country clubs would let Jewish people in? Like, like if they're like, yeah. if, if we, if we, if we want to, we want to have this argument, like, sure. okay, okay. I'm going to take you at face value that, okay, yes, these, these people are the ones controlling all of this stuff. I, do, do they not want to have a nice meal and play a game of golf? Nope. Like, nope. Like, Too busy counting money. Did you ever see one of the uh, goblins at Gringotts playing golf? No, you didn't. Golf is a pastoral setting. Ah. Landed aristocracy. The people who are tied with their blood to the soil. (laughs) Right, because because Ford clearly is tied to the soil. Well, he's the right kind of white. Yeah, tied to... Yep. Just the, like okay, so yep. so that's the counter argument. Yes, from that point of view is well, you know they're they're you know tied to the soil and royalism and whatever whatever. Right, right. Like, um, no, <laughs> the Wright brothers mm-hmm. became industrialists. Right. You know they. But they came from the soil. But they no. came to the cities from a pastoral setting. Ford owned a no, farm and came. To industry from the pastoral uh, setting. Okay. Their but families owned farms. Therefore, they were tied to the they soil. They were peasants. Good folk. <laughs> what? You don't get to fucking have it both ways. You can't be a royalist and be romanticizing fucking peasants. Right. I'm sorry. I'm a medievalist. I know how that shit works. <laughs> no, you don't get to fucking do that. Yeah. Anyway, so in 1938, Joel, maddening, <laughs> fucking maddening. Yeah, a little bit, a little <sighs> bit. Anyway, luckily we've all learned from this. Yes. Um, so in 1938, despite claiming not to be anti-Semitic, Henry Ford accepted a 75th birthday gift from Adolf Hitler. Okay, wait, wait, stop. Sure. He spent all this time mm-hmm. talking about the international Jew. Uh huh. Scare quotes. Yeah. International Jew. But he apologized but, to Aaron Sapiro formally so clearly, in a telegram. So clearly that makes him not anti-Semitic. I don't hate the Jews. Right. What? You just called them the Jews, sir. Am I taking like, crazy pills here? Like, <laughs> no. Okay. No. Okay. Despite claiming not to be right. anti-Semitic, he accepts an award from Adolf yeah. fucking Hitler. Yes. Now, uh, who, who by this time, yeah. this is 30 what now? 38. 38. So by this time, the German government has instituted blatant anti-Semitism. Kristallnacht happened four years earlier. Okay, it was 34. Yeah, I was, was going to say 34, 35. Yeah, I yeah. think it's 34. Yeah, 34. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. The like, enabling acts. Like, like the Nuremberg have, laws. They, they, have, they have very clearly... Yes. Ma- yes. You're not, so... Hey, I, I don't control who supports me. Yeah. Yes, you fucking. Yeah, you do. can denounce them. You can. Say, you can tell them to do more I than stand by. I don't. I don't want your fucking help. Yeah. I don't want your fucking metal. Fuck yeah. off. You know, like the. Uh, you remember the the uh, attorney general of Alabama? Yeah. 
It was, you know, here's my response. Kiss my ass. Kiss my ass. Yeah. yeah. Like, all right. So the gift that he got was the Grand Cross of the Supreme Order of the German Eagle. Because why not fucking load up the names again? Now, here's the question. Sure. Was was that, because that does sound like the kind of thing that would have been an imperial mm-hmm. Prussian or German award. Was that a pre-existing award or was that something Hitler just well, made up to give to Ford? It was a moment? golden Maltese cross surrounded by four small swastikas. And it was presented to Ford and his Dearborn officers by the German vice consul of Detroit. Uh, and it was the highest honor that Nazis could bestow upon a foreigner. Okay. When pressed about receiving the gift from Adolf goddamn fucking Hitler, Ford said, quote, acceptance of a medal from the German people does not, as some seem to think, invoke any sympathy on my part with Nazism. Those who have known me for many years realize that anything that breeds hate is repulsive to me. Oh, fuck you. Sideways. Like, come on. Okay. Here's, okay. So, so getting back to Ford's watchmaker mindset sure this is this is something else that that has been has been like pecking at the back of my brain Mm -hmm. about this of course he's going to be at least somewhat sympathetic to fascism Mm -hmm. even even leaving all the anti-semitism of specifically nazism out of it yeah yeah like he'd be the kind of guy who would look at mussolini oh yeah who who was not who didn't give a shit until entering into yeah you know, uh, uh, alliance with Hitler about Jewish conspiracy or any of that stuff. Right. But the ultra nationalism and uh, combining government and industry into essentially one unit. Yes. And statism. Statism. Yeah. Like, of course, Ford is going to have a hard on for that. The size of the mm-hmm. Empire State Building. Well, C.K. McClatchy did. So well, <laughs> because because that is the ultimate in efficiency that mm-hmm. is that is running the machine mm-hmm. with putting all of the resources into yes. generating output yes the other end of the machine literally so, the people serve the state yes 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 absolutely it's, it's, and gives them meaning yeah it's yep. it's it's what happens when you when you take han feta's legalism mm-hmm. and and make it industrial there you go like so of course he has a mat on for for that part of the philosophy, uh-huh. and then and then you have Hitler slobbering all over his knob uh-huh. with, with the anti-Semitism. Yes. And so like, how I I wonder, like, how many people at the time mm-hmm. were fooled by him saying, "Well, you know, I mean, it's not like I think it Nazis gives and... the people who who are inclined that way." the moral cover. Okay. That makes sense. To continue to support well, he's got really good economic policies. <sighs> yeah. Now I'm not gonna get into the connection of Ford yeah. and Germany when it comes to industry or how goddamn long into the war Ford continued to do business with the Nazis, including help build their war machines and their uh their their engines. Suffice to say it was disappointingly yet wholly on brand a uh, long amount of time. Now Balder von Schirach the leader of the Hitler Jungen testified at Nuremberg, stating that he had become an anti-Semite at the age of 17. This would have been in 1924. After reading Ford's ravings on Jews. <laughs> so in the Nuremberg trials, you have Balder von Schirach, the head of the HJ, saying yeah. this. 
You have no idea what a great influence this book had on the thinking of German youth. The younger generation looked with envy to the symbols of success and prosperity like Henry Ford, and if he said the Jews were to blame, why naturally we believed them. We believed him. Okay. End quote. Yeah. So now what does all of this have to do with square dancing? I actually have to get into eugenics before I can get to that. A whole lot of clan-baked bullshit is what it has to do with square dancing. So Russian scientists and intellectuals came up with the beginning of the modern eugenicist movement. But it was really American and British scientists and intellectuals who breathed a very vibrant life into it. And really, it was Americans who pushed hard for it as actual policy. Okay. Yeah. Back up for a moment. Sure. So you're telling me... Yes. ...that... The Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Yes. And the pseudoscience of eugenics. Yes. Both had their roots in Russia. Yes. But the codifier was America. They were both both codified here. Yes. Yes. I'm not... Yes. Not not going to argue that, but... What what exactly is going on in the water around the Caucasus? Like I, yeah, the caucasity of it all. The caucasity of it all. Of it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So Americans were very horny for eugenics in the early 20th century. <laughs> yes. This yes, likely had to do with the changing face of immigration, labor, mm. and urbanization. Yes. By 1900, as many people lived in cities as did in rural communities. Mm-hmm. The increased immigration, specifically of Southern and Eastern Europeans had American racists in a tizzy about who the right and wrong white people were. And that's where we start seeing uh, the American lexicon start to include derogatory Mm -hmm. terms for Italians and Poles. Yes. Specifically. Yes. To a certain extent, Portuguese. Mm -hmm. Depending on where you were. That was more regional. Yep. Um, I know in in the time that I spent in Hawaii Mm -hmm. as a kid, like... Elsewhere in the country, you hear jokes about stupid people being Polish. Right. In Hawaii, mm-hmm. those jokes were all about Portuguese. Yes. Which was a weird, like having started out growing up in California and hearing racist jokes. Right. And then going to right. Hawaii and hearing completely different racist jokes. I'm like, They're the same jokes, but just same different. Joke, yeah. But like, huh? It's like, um, you know, the, the again, the, the Polish joke, it became universalized yeah. when we were kids. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there was in Belgium, it was Flemish and Walloons. Yeah. There's a Flemish and a Walloon walking down the thing and the bird shits all over the Walloon and the Flemish is like, Oh, do you need a tissue? And the Walloon says, the bird's a mile away by now. (laughs) Stupid Walloons, (laughs) you know, like that kind of shit. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, in 1916, self-declared anthropologist, and I mean self-declared, yeah. uh, lawyer and pseudoscientific racist Madison Grant published something called The Passing of the Great Race or The National Rac- or the Racial Basis of European Ancestry. In it, he discussed Nordic superiority. And basically, this is what we were talking about earlier, that Northern Europeans, the, quote, Nordic race, were superior to the other, quote, races. In the first section, it was all about non-Nordic white passing Europeans coming to the U.S., inferior immigrants who were outbreeding the Nordic white folks, the English, the Scottish, and the Netherlandser, uh, who built this country all on their own by kidnapping and enslaving Africans and their children. (laughs) And he also saw the migration of black Americans from the South up to the North as another invasion of inferiors, which is weird considering what I just said. So... 
hold on. I want to I want to ask a question here. Okay. Nordics. Yes. I'm going to bet money. Uh huh. That amongst the inferior groups would have been the Irish to him, right? Mm-hmm. Which is weird because the Irish are basically Vikings with funny accents. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Carry on. So he said that the relatively lower birth rate of Mayo men was going to lead to political instability as a result. Okay. Again. Not enough white people being born. Right. Okay. So now, democracy is going to be perverted by these people coming over and voting for one party specifically. Okay. And this is 19... This is 1916. 1916. In his book, The Passing of the Great Race. Okay. Now... Mm-hmm. It was earlier than that that mm-hmm. Teddy Roosevelt said it was the duty of all American it was the women. Duty of all American women to have more white to babies. Have four babies. Yep. Yeah. So this is not a new idea. No, but this is a codification. Is, but okay. And that right. popularization in literature that's going to lead to okay. other fuckery. Okay. okay. Now Grant then went on to wax idiotic about the three European races. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm stealing that phrase. Yeah. I have to. I got to figure out how to use that in casual conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, he said that there were three uh, European races: the Nordic, the Alpine, and the Mediterranean. Oh, I'm going to guess which one he had the worst shit to say about of the three. And like, be- yeah, and because of none of this makes any goddamn sense, he also managed to link Trojans to the Nordic folk and Spartans to the Prussians. Like, what? what? <laughs> Have you? It's so specific so, and so, so stupid. So, no. <laughs> so, okay. Spartans. Yeah, those are Prussians. Linked to the... Yeah. No. <laughs> Have you not picked up a history book? No. Like... I mean, okay, you say, you, you, you said, I'm going to call him, you know, self, self-appointed. self Yeah, uh, uh, self-declared uh, anthropologist. Anthropologist. It's worse than that. Oh. <laughs> like, I think you buried the lead. Like, <laughs> the, the, My favorite is the, the Trojans the, made their way to where it was really fucking cold from Turkey. Yeah, it was Trojans. literally the other way around. The Normans came around and yeah. got sunburned. Yeah. Um, and then well, yeah. stole a bunch of gold and, and stole, set up Palermo. Stole a bunch of shit. And then, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and set themselves up as... Because nobody as... goes where it's cold on purpose. You always come where it's warmer. What, see, I'm going to I'm gonna argue with you If you're on that leaving point. from Troy, if you are you're... not going to go and be like, <laughs> well, you know well, what I want. Okay, no. Fjords. Okay. But if you're leaving from Norway, uh-huh. you are going to wind up in Minnesota. You can go cold okay. to cold. Okay. That's fine. But you're not going to go warm to cold. The only time you do that is if you're a refugee. Now, I'll grant you, the Trojans were refugees, but, but there were plenty but, but of islands on the plenty, way to Hesperia. Plenty of lateral, plenty of lateral yes. movement they could have made. Fuck, yeah. they landed in Libya. Well, and, and the other thing you is, know. have you have you looked at like Trojan, not Trojan, yeah. Spartan art? Have you looked at anything, any of the artifacts of ancient Greece? No. Nope. And you're going to try to tell me. Mm-hmm. You're going to try to tell me mm-hmm. that the Spartans are the Prussians were Nordic. Yeah. Or Alpine. I don't know. No, Prussian, they're, they're don't know more one. Alpine. 
Okay. Yeah. Pr- uh, Prussians Spurs, are kind Spurs, of that in between space. Okay. Okay. But yeah. but you're gonna try to. I mean, mm-hmm. we're gonna ignore the ludicrousness of of this whole three European races idea to begin <laughs> with. But you're gonna like. Okay. If I grant you that, right. now you're we'll gonna paint try... with a broad brush. Yeah. White eggshell <laughs> tofu. tofu. <laughs> <laughs> and you're gonna try to tell me. Yes. That that Greeks. Hmm. Literally from the Peloponnesus. Yes. Are, who who are who are as olivine in uh-huh. complexion as 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 you, any Prussian? As that anybody. is correct. Yep. <laughs> like like I understand that yeah. my brother-in-law uh-huh. gets occasionally mistaken for being Italian, even sure. though everybody in his family has been German, like for Forever. generations yeah. back to the yeah, old yeah. country. Like I understand that that happens, but no, <laughs> just okay. So he I, said, "Quote the Nordics all over the world, a race of soldiers, sailors, adventurers, and explorers, but above all, of rulers, organizers, and aristocrats." In sharp contrast to the essentially peasant character of the Alpines, chivalry and knighthood, and they're still surviving. Uh, but greatly impaired counterparts are peculiar, peculiarly Nordic traits and feudalism, class distinctions, and race pride among Europeans are traceable for the most part to the North. Oh, my dude. You want to hear what he says about the Mediterraneans? Oh, God. Of course, he's not a racist because he actually oh, thinks no, that Mediterraneans no. are smarter and artisticer. Um, this is a standard... <laughs> thing for racists by the yeah. way is like the, yeah, they'll claim that the asians are clearly the superior ones i'm not the top i'm the second from the top yeah oh yeah it's yeah, that yeah. kind of shit yeah he says about the mediterraneans quote the mental characteristics of the mediterranean race are well known and this race while inferior in bodily stamina to both the nordic and the alpine is probably the superior of both certainly of the alpines in intellectual attainments in the field of art, it is superiority to both the other European races is oh. unquestioned. Okay. Of course, that's only because they fucked with the Nordic folks in his weird-ass roundabout way to claim superiority there, too. Yeah. He literally says, quote, This is the race that gave the world the great civilizations of Egypt, of Crete, of Phoenicia, including Carthage, of Etruria, and of Mycenaean Greece. It gave us, when mixed and invigorated with Nordic elements... The most splendid of all civilizations, that of the ancient Hellas, uh, and the most enduring of political organizations, the Roman state. To what extent the Mediterranean race entered into the blood and civilization of Rome, it is now difficult to say. But the traditions of the eternal city, its love of organization, of law and military efficiency, as well as the Roman ideals of family life, loyalty, and truth, point clearly to a Nordic rather than a Mediterranean (laughs) <laughs> the Romans, have not Mediterraneans. Met, have you? They're met, Nordic. Okay. Have you? <laughs> okay. That's that's the, just ridiculous. the Romans made that's, fun of people for looking for northern. Yeah, well, like, yeah. Like, because I mean, you know, they 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 like everybody else in in the way that you know anybody who is xenophobic does. Mm-hmm. They made fun of people who look Nordic, and they were also terrified of them. Right. Like in equal measure. Bad history on their side. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to argue. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, how many times was Rome yeah. burned? You know, prior to the Republic, but, right? Or in the early days of the Republic. Yeah. But like, <laughs> it's because Dude. the Nordic people came down 
and and had sex with the no, Mediterranean. That's why Rome is great. Like, <laughs> let's let's talk Literally, about shooting the arrow and then painting uh, the target uh, around it. Like, there, there was actual graffiti your... that said a good t- a good uh, a good deed for the day. Do not show the new senators to where the Senate House is. Another one said, and these were right next to each other. Caesar, uh, what was it? He he encouraged the Gaul. Caesar went to Gaul and conquered them, and then he brought Gauls down, and they traded in their girly boy pants for togas for the manly toga. Yeah, and now they're senators, which is which is its own thing. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, um, but like the, yeah. the the graffiti of the time was these are interlopers. Yeah, oh yeah, they're they don't idi- belong they're, here. They're interlopers. They're yeah. idiots. Yes, they don't belong here. Right. Yeah. Well, and and, but it's because of their awesome Nordic sperm. Okay. That Rome became great. So here's the thing: mm-hmm. what he what he has to what he what he has to overlook mm-hmm. in order for this for this theory to to work. It's literally all of history. Is literally literally all of European history. Yep. Literally all of I was about to say before the Renaissance, but no, literally all since the Renaissance, literally all of it, because let's talk about the Eternal City, mm-hmm. and let's talk about the fact that you know after World War One, mm-hmm. um, uh, Mussolini said he was going to make the Italian people great by kicking their ass. Yeah, like he was going to force them to be great because they didn't want to be right. Like Rome, the Eternal City. No, right. Like. No, yeah. contemporary history yes. in your own lifetime proved that to be bullshit. Yeah. Now this is written before that. Well, so. but, but but look at what the state of Italy was at the time he was writing. It, exactly. Like it wasn't even a unified country. I was going to say it's not a state. It's not. Yeah. yeah. And and you know look at no you're confusing mm-hmm. and and the other thing is I'm sure he would have waxed waxed epic mm-hmm. about you know the Anglo-Saxon race. Mm-hmm. Probably would have argued that the Anglo-Saxon race was somehow Nordic. Motherfucker, they were conquered by the Normans. Yeah. They were ruled by an alien aristocracy who were Norman for how many hundreds of years. And all of your chivalry bullshit, mm-hmm. by the way, comes from a small group of Viking descendants. Yeah. Who, you know, that idea became viral across Western Europe because, you know, feudalism is a thing. Yeah. But like you, 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 like you, you want to try to, 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 uh, talk about a race of people as this, you know, chivalric, you know, conquering group, motherfucker, the English, this is prove your theory. This is the mythic themselves. This is the mythic origin of a race that lends itself to fascism. Because remember, oh, at this oh, point, yeah. it's 1916 that he writes this. Yeah, fascism doesn't exist yet. Yeah, but fascism won't the exist. Futurists, the futurists are all being slaughtered on, yeah. on the battlefields of but Europe. The fascism cannot exist without this kind of mythologization of the past. You okay. have to have you a have racial to, you mythology. Have have, you have to, have... because otherwise, what is the tradition Does... that you're trying to revivify? Okay, what so, is the what is okay. the stock of people that have been held down by outsiders? Okay. You can't have fascism grow without those two things being a part of it. Okay. I'm not saying this is so the in, only so ingredient. In, okay, so in, so in Mussolini's uh-huh. theory, then because uh-huh. Mussolini yes. didn't give a shit about like 
your your racial makeup, color, your skin. You were a citizen of the state. You were going to serve the state. He cared about the Italian identity. Okay. He absolutely did. Okay. So Italian identity. Or if he didn't care about it, he utilized it he as utilized a unifying it. force. Okay. All yeah. right. Okay. Yes. So so maybe maybe it doesn't have to be racial, but it has to be national identitarian. There you go. Okay. Yes. And then, but but racial makes that it, it, racial is the easy button for it is. That. And frankly, uh, Mussolini absolutely did use that. Okay. He did use racial Italianism, okay. and there was a lot of anti-Semitism in Italy. Uh, oh, well, that time. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Yeah. There there are um, phases. Okay. Wherein you back off of the anti-Semitism for a bit, and then you push hard with it. Okay. Um, it's this ebb and flow. Okay. To make a fascist thing work okay. and the fact that i know how to make this shit work means i've been reading way too much about <laughs> too it. much dark shit so anytime okay. this guy um whose name i've forgotten oh grant there you go yeah anytime grant found evidence of those praiseworthy aspects of humanity it's because people had sex with nordic people that's why they interbred with the nordic people which means the nordic people are being depleted as a race their greatness is going into all these other passing for white groups, and they're not truly white. This is the foundational racism of eugenics. And this dumb shit was such a hit. People loved this book. And it was a inspirational book to shitty fuckwads everywhere in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this includes a certain traitor to Germany sitting in Landsberg prison, ghostwriting his polemic memoir on racism and fanboying out over Henry Ford. Hitler wrote a letter to Grant personally to thank him, referring to this book as, quote, my Bible. Himmler Himmler clearly had read it when he set up the Lebensraum Society, or I'm sorry, the Lebensborn Society, in order to preserve the blonde and blue, blue whites through selective breeding. Right. They're pulling from Grant. Again, American... Uh, American yeah. shit exports to Germany to turn into Nazism. And okay, and yep. and so so the funny thing here mm-hmm. that that occurs to me right now about all this is anybody who's ever spent any time in animal husbandry mm-hmm. will tell you that this idea of depletion right is utter bullshit. Yes, hybrid vigor is a thing. Oh, a mutt is a much a safer reason. and healthier animal. Healthier animal than, than any purebred pure dog. Anything. Yes. Like like German Absolutely. shepherds hip problems. Uh, largely know. because of the way that we breed them over here. They okay. were bred specifically for showing um that look, yeah, which is a dumb being, fucking look. As opposed to being working dogs. That's why most in, of the police dogs come from actual Czechoslovakia or Czech Republic and yeah. or Germany. Yeah. Yeah. But but you get what I'm saying. I totally. Like, I, like, I had you know, a pug Yeah. for yes, 14 years. This is true. And yeah. love him, though I did. No animal should be bred like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, again, temperament and cuteness is wonderful. And it was 14 years that I absolutely loved. But, but the health issues and the... And the yeah, and, and, and again, the, yeah. I took really good care of him. Yeah. But uh, a mutt will survive in the wild. So much better. Oh, so than yeah. a pug well, would. Well, and if you take a domestic dog, yep, and you you know let it uh, breed with wolves, right? Their pups will survive better than either one of its parents. Yeah, everywhere. as it turns out. So, so again, uh-huh. this idea of depletion, mm-hmm. 
like if you study life science at all, right? You know but it's bullshit. Keep in mind, this is only 1916, so this is only 66 years since Darwin's Origin of Species. All right. You still have Lamarck yeah, leaving okay. his mark, yeah, as okay. it were. All right. Uh, and public school is a really new concept. Okay, granted. Now, having said that... But half the population lives on a farm still. Right. So you only get to like third to fifth grade anyway. Well, but but also mm-hmm. you're you're much more closely dealing with livestock. Yeah, but not Jews. Yeah, okay. All right, fine. Like... <laughs> All right, all right. So, Good point. Now, Henry Ford, unsurprisingly, was also a big fan of eugenics. Of, because, of course. He was a he proponent. He never saw a bad idea. No. He didn't fucking love <laughs> All right. He was a proponent of the racehorse theory, which is the belief that you should breed certain people together for certain attitudes, aptitudes, and abilities. A burgeoning real estate developer in the 1920s was also a big believer in this theory as well and oh, taught no. his children the same. His name was Fred Trump. Trump. Yep. Now, in Mein Kampf... And, so wait, yep. so wait, hold on. Sure. Hold on. So Fred Trump mm-hmm. taught his kids. Mm-hmm. You, you take people take people for their strengths. Mm-hmm. Breed them together. Yes. Right? Yep. Does Donald Trump actually think he has cheekbones like that that, that, that need to be perfected? Because he keeps going after, mm-hmm. after models. Right. Like well, he's not that's going, because he's, not, he's a pig of a human, though. Well, like, yeah, it's, I, I, you know, I understand. But, but, he's not looking at okay. at physical racehorse breeding. He's mm. looking at mental racehorse. Because he's got good brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the best brain. Yeah. Oh, and, and I'm going to get to that later. best words. Yeah. yeah. So in Mein Kampf and in other writings, Hitler noted that the American system of dealing with indigenous peoples was highly effective in dealing with clearing a group out to get Lebensraum. The living space that he claimed that Aryan Nordic stock needed needed to come from a frontier-oriented genocide. Uh, and he looked to America and was like, oh, okay. And Henry Ford, living in Michigan, was absolutely in that area where a frontier-oriented genocide had been perpetrated and was probably most assuredly in the cultural icker for Henry Ford. Well, yeah. Growing up in the second half of the 19th century, especially, and having very little experience with other groups other than to see them as others who were weakening his narrowed, idealized view of society. Now, Hitler copied U.S. policies toward indigenous peoples and toward uh, eugenics. um, And uh, when the U.S. tried to make eugenics national policy, Hitler took them to their logical and grotesque endpoints. This was also a hell of a proto-model for anti-Semitic ethnic cleansing and genocide. Mm. In 1928, Hitler even marveled at how Americans had, quote, gunned down the millions of redskins to a few hundred thousand. And when he spoke of Lebensraum, the German drive for living space in Eastern Europe, he often had America in mind. He was also a huge fan of German novels that took on the American West, by the way. He loved German Western young adult novels. So America exported a more vibrant anti-Semitism to Germany than what they had. And we exported already pretty gross. And we exported a more vibrant idea of ethnic cleansing and genocide and white supremacy to Germany than they could see from from Russia. And those were American chickens finding another home in which to roost. Okay. And next, in our next episode... I'll finally tie that all back to square dancing. 
Wow. But we got to stop there. Yeah. For time. So, do you want to tell me you've gleaned or have you been gleaning all the way? I've I've been gleaning all the way. Um, number one, seeing the the chain so clearly delineated mm-hmm. is sobering. It's gonna make you real sad when we get to oh, dancing. I'm <laughs> sure it is. I'm sure it is. Um, and also, mm-hmm. um, the the absolute wackadoodle like like extent that people will go to in order to to believe in and propagate yes bad ideas yeah like and it's not even like leaving leaving the moral aspect of it aside mm-hmm. because I'm white and I can get away with doing that for a minute to make this a purely you know uh, philosophical argument mm-hmm. but but you know committing that act of privilege mm-hmm. like it's just bad thinking. Yes. Like it's just shitty logic. Let's mm-hmm. let's like and 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 I mean bringing back in the whole idea of of you know human compassion and fucking morality for a moment. That mm-hmm. just that just makes it even worse. But even if you had no capacity for empathy at all, mm-hmm. which plenty of these folks that we've been talking about had limited at best capacity for that but but just looking at the thought processes involved mm-hmm. is like how how many different ways are you leaning into a cognitive bias so many how many how many different ways All are ways. you actively overlooking mm-hmm. deeply like obviously flawed logic yes obviously flawed logic like but that's why you need that mythic past if you don't have the mythic past people cannot just hang on to obviously flawed logic but if you have the mythic past that tickles your intuition that tickles that emotional center that warm and fuzzy that you get being tied to your ancestors and their land whatever the fuck that means okay um that enables yeah all of that all the rest of it yeah you know, and here's the thing. I, I think it would be a lot healthier for people, period, mm-hmm. but especially white people, to to understand mm-hmm. unless you are actually living a life of inherited wealth, mm-hmm. your ancestors were peasants yeah. in a place that they wanted you as their descendant to get the fuck out of. Usually, yeah. You, you, as anybody living anywhere in the modern world, mm-hmm. um, un- unless you are living destitute on the street, and even then, maybe, the life that you are living now is the culmination of everything your ancestors would have wished for. Yes. Think, think about the fact that in, in our society right now, um, people who cannot support themselves can go to a shelter and they will eat meat mm-hmm. on a daily basis Yeah, because of the wealth of the society we're living in right now. Yes. Your ancestors did not have some mystical connection to the land that they were living on. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. They wanted to get the fuck out. They didn't want to have to be grinding in the dirt for their survival. Right. And and you're doing them a disservice by trying to sanitize and romanticize their 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 lived experience. Mm-hmm. And you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's one thing to be proud of where your family came from. Mm-hmm. And it could be another way of reframing it. I think a healthier way of reframing it is, yeah, you know what? My family lived on the border between England and Scotland. Mm -hmm. And when those two countries went to war, they looked at their neighbors and said, which side are they fighting for? Right. We're fighting for the other one because fuck them. Right. And you know what? A couple of my ancestors said, fuck this. Yeah. I'm getting on a ship and I'm leaving because I don't want to deal with this anymore. That's a victory. And, and That's they, a victory. And they brought that prejudice with them. I mean, they did. Yeah. Yeah. As like, as friend of the show Gabriel Cruz said. Yeah. Uh, you know, progress is a series of problematic steps forward. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, but. But yeah, like, I totally get you. Like you know, you know the fact that um, we are as fat as we are. Yeah. Is a victory for yes. the ancestors that I have who were hunting squirrel. <laughs> yeah, you're you're in much the more recent ancestors. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and for that matter, mine who you know fled the Dust Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 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 nuts that mm-hmm. that we feel like we have to mythologize our our roots in the way that we do. And I yep. mean, I say this as a guy who goes to Highland Games, right? You know, but like we don't we don't we don't need to mythologize it. We no, don't, we don't. We don't need to attach some mystical meaning to it. It's well, I think that's like, a lot you know, of why history repeats itself, though, is yeah, because no, people is. do mythologize it. Yeah. And and the result is we fall into those same patterns and those same tropes. Yep. So and the traps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what All you right. reading? Um, well, I'm not reading it right now, but I am going mm-hmm. to very strongly recommend Guns, Germs, and Steel oh, by yeah. Jared Diamond. Yep. Because something you said earlier in the episode twigged on it uh because grant Mm -hmm. uh wanted to try to find a genetic explanation for why it is that white people run the world and Mm -hmm. and as you said have you know (laughs) europeans who who uh uh thrive in in the in the narrowest set of circumstances right uh have have created a world where you know we can go safely anywhere right um and and you know, Grant would have would have explained it as well. You know, clearly there's there's something just innately superior going on, <laughs> and and Jared Diamond um, in the in the prologue mm-hmm. to his book, uh, he was I don't I don't remember what NGO he was working for, but he was in uh, either Indonesia or Malaysia, and he was working with somebody who was local. And mm-hmm. they got to be very good friends and they spent a lot of time walking on the beach and talking and, you know, and on, and on one particular evening, his friend without any malice or without any, any, any kind of, you know, resentment or anything in his voice said, you know, I wonder why it is that people who look like you wound up making decisions in the world for people like me. And and having the question put that bluntly to him and, yep. and and that openly to him pushed Diamond to go and say like okay no seriously like how did that happen yeah 
And and so he he went and he looked at the historical development of, of how exactly it is that European people wound up being the ones who built empires. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a fascinating read. And he manages to find an answer that is plausible that does not wind up leaning on any kind of idea of anybody being innately superior to anybody else. Good. It's it's rooted in geography. Oh, is this the whole they kept the pigs inside thing? Uh, kept the pigs inside yeah. and uh, resources that were available to them. Right. And natural topography, meaning that they were constantly fighting each other over shit. It's meaning you It's know, like why my union is so much stronger than yours is because it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and so, it, I mean, some, some of the stuff, as just from what you just said, it's clear that some of the stuff that's in his book has now become kind of tropey within historical circles. Mm-hmm. But it's still, I think, an eye-opening read for anybody who kind of needs, if you need a counter to somebody making Grant-like arguments, mm-hmm. it's it's a good thing to have in your back pocket to be like, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's geography. It's, it's not anything racially superior about anybody. It's circumstances. And so anyway, I highly recommend it. It's a very good read. Uh, he also had another book, uh, called the tipping point. I want to say it was the tipping point that was about, uh, decisions that societies made, uh, that, that wound up either, uh, being very successful or being, uh, in, in intensely self-destructive, uh, and the forces that led to those decisions getting made and how, how that stuff happened. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so that's that's my recommendation, cool. even though I read it ages ago. How about you? Uh, I'm going to recommend a documentary on Amazon Prime uh, okay. that I've seen years ago uh, called Eugenics, Science's Greatest Scandal. Okay. Really good. It's an older documentary. I think it comes from like 77. Okay. And it's been updated since then. Um, okay. Or... or I'm misremembering the title, and I'm sending you to a more recent one. Okay. Um, either way, I think that would be a pretty good place to start if you want to take a look at eugenics. Uh, and then other than that, you could look up Edwin Black's book, uh, The War Against the Weak, um, Eugenics okay. in America's Campaign to Create a Master Race. Okay. Uh, so it'll kind of get back to, to what we were talking about. So uh, let's see. Uh, let me guess. They can find you on TikTok. Yes. TikTok, I can be found at Mr. Underscore Blaylock. On Twitter, I can be found as E.H. Blaylock. We can, of course, collectively be found on Twitter at Geek History Time. We can be found on the internet at www.geekhistorytime.com. And where can you be found, sir? Uh, let's see. By the time this hits, we'll already done our show. So look for us in the first Friday of June to do Capital Punishment up here in Sacramento. Cool. Capital with an O. Um, let's see. You could So you could look that up on the Facebook. You could find me at Duh Harmony on Twitch. No, I don't do Twitch anymore. On Twitter and on Instagram. Right. Uh, and hopefully by the time this recording hits, I will have made more content for uh, TikTok uh, at Duh Harmony 1. Okay. So there, there you go. Very cool. Well, we are almost there. Uh, the next yeah. episode will be the final go home episode It'll be okay. on, on square dancing and what have you, and pull it all together, hopefully. But all right. Until then, uh, I am speaking for a geek history of time. I'm Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, keep rolling 20s.